far out. I'm a journeyman. And I was only 25 years of age at that point. And uh, I didn't really embrace it early, to be honest. My son was born at the end of 2013. So before 2013, I'd played probably 50 games across five years. Yeah. From that point in time, like when my son come, I think I didn't miss a game for, I think I missed two games in my next hundred. Yeah. Retiring from rugby league, that mm. uh, you know, I, I spoke about you know you lose an identity and you got to build a new identity. G'day, g'day! Welcome back to another episode of A Lot to Talk About. It is your boy, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Driver. Of course, you can call me Brad. Pumped to be here. Got a guest on today who. I've heard a lot of good stories about, we've just had a little bit of pre-ramble and the pre-ramble got fucking good, so I thought we better turn these on and start having a crack. He is former NRL player, he's played at plenty of the great clubs that I'm sure many of you will know, love and support. He's now a mortgage broker, he's a father of two, he's a husband. He's, what I've been told, the funniest man that many people have ever met, but also a very educated and interesting fella. So from your home, your car, or wherever you are, give a very warm welcome to the one, the only, Jeremy Lattimore. Thanks, Brad, mate. I, uh, I said in the, uh, the, the, the pre-warm-up, mate, you're giving me a bit of a big head with some of that stuff. I said. <laughs> very humbled and obviously, yeah, excited to mate. be here, mate. I, I told you uh, I saw a bit of your stuff and um, when you reached out, I, I couldn't get on quick enough. Mate, I appreciate it heaps. It's, for me, we spoke about it before this. It's always a privilege when I get to chat to different people and I've... I've not really had anyone who's done sort of like what you've done in the last couple of years where you've transitioned from playing sport and being in that athletic space for so long and then transition into the business world, a world that I kind of know too well because I was in that space, you know, in the property space and you're in mortgage broking. I'm keen to dive into all of that. I guess one of the things I remember about you playing footy because I'm a big footy fan, probably less these days than I was like growing up. I'm a Roosters man, through yeah. and through. I'm a Chookies boy. But you played for a bunch of clubs, and I guess you're what some people would call like a bit of a journeyman of the NRL. And when I think about that, I think I like the way that you got to experience the game. Bunch of different clubs, bunch of different experiences. That kind of speaks to who I am as a person. I like to try things and be di- different places and spaces. But then there's a lot of people who'd probably get a little bit stressed and overwhelmed by that constant change and movement. Was that something you enjoyed? Yeah, so the, the journeyman tag. I, I remember when it was after about me, uh, me third football club. I think it was when I was at the Dragons in 2012, actually, and I, I saw it for the first time in an article. I'm like, far out. I'm a journeyman. Like, and I was only 25 years of age at that point. And uh, I didn't really embrace it early, to be honest. It yeah. was something, um, you know, I don't know whether it was immaturity or and I remember the boys called me journeyman. I was getting embarrassed about it. Um, but as I got older, uh, and you reflect and you look back and, you know, I was lucky enough to, um, play for Parramatta, Cronulla, moved to New Zealand and, um, you know, me and my now wife spent two years there, no children. Yeah. Seeing, you know, all these parts of New Zealand, what, where I wouldn't have been exposed to. And, um, you know, now, now I'm here 35 years of age and I look back on all the friendships I built across the five clubs that I did play for. Um, yeah, it was a very unique experience. And, you know, when I went to the New Zealand Warriors, for example, Jimmy Maloney's one of my best mates and he came a week after I, I went there. But he, um, 
yeah, I walked in and I didn't know anyone. And uh, sorry, Lou Brown. And uh, yeah. I, I was so nervous. And obviously, crossing cultures, you, you know, you got Maori, Tongan, Samoan. Yeah. There was a, a few Aussie dudes there. But, um, you know, by the end of my career, when I come back to Dragons, you know, I knew 25 of the, the 30 <laughs> players through, through my yeah. uh, journey in rugby league. So, um, yeah, it's something that I, I really did love to embrace by the end of my career. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful for the journey rugby league took me on. And, you know, it wasn't always through choice that I changed at football clubs. It was, you know, you're not needed anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, we were talking about um, this before we started. You know, everything happens for a reason. And, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, as you look back on things that happen in time and, uh, you know, getting told that, you know, we don't need you next year. And at that time, you think your world's coming down. And then two years later, you're like, oh, that's why that happened. Yeah. And, and the world has a funny way of working like that. What age did you debut? Uh, so I was a late debutante. So I, I didn't debut till the year I was turning 23. So um, I had a couple of shoulder recos when I was younger. Yep. Didn't really look after it. Um, getting on the drink and not doing my yeah. rehab properly. And um, yeah, ended up round 11 against South Sydney Rabbitohs. And uh, it was the first golden point draw. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, yeah. I remember Jared Hayne hit a field goal from about 25 out. And I thought it was going over, but... Uh, ended up being a draw so I was uh, yeah obviously you know everything that you've dreamt of as a kid mm. and um you know I was from Port Macquarie and I had all my friends oh, and too. family come yeah down from there and obviously all my my, my girlfriend at the time and family down here so Port, here. Port Mac how far is Port Mac from here from the gong it's about five hours oh five five and a half is that near casino uh, no, no, no. That's way north. Um, way north. Yeah, it's it's about an hour past Foster, two hours north of Newey. Because I'm pretty sure one of my best mates, Thuny, is from Dultai Grieve, is yeah. from that area. Yeah, oh mate. Yeah, there's plenty of people you come across. Uh, even down in Sydney, I often run into yeah. the, uh, a few of the Port Macquarie crew. So, so for you, talk to me about that because I'm always really interested as to people's sort of like upbringings. Yep. And I know that my upbringing shaped a lot of who I am. Yep. And I can imagine that coming into sport, like I was really sporty and really competitive as a young lad. And that was because my old man, like my old man was really good at everything he'd done. Yeah. Put anything in front of him. And he was one of those guys, like a bit of a master of all trades. And that influenced me to, to love sport and to be competitive. But I can imagine that for you, there would have been a, a challenge around those injuries. Like as a young fella, how does your headspace work at that point in time where you know, you're seeing other guys you've played with competitively growing up who are getting their debuts at 18, 19, 20, and your injuries are pushing that timeline back for you. Are you stressing? Yeah, so I'll go over a couple of things. Yeah. But, um, you know, I had a year off footy when I was 15. Yep. Um, I went and uh, joined the uh, local bodyboarding association. Like, oh, I've nice. been doing it for a few years, yeah. but I went in a few comps and that, and uh, obviously that never worked out, and I went back to rugby league and... Uh, you know, I was a tall, tall kid. I, I wasn't muscly or anything. And, um, mate, I would have been the fifth best player in my under-16 team at that point. Um, but when, when I did come back, I just ha had – I don't know what it was. There was a few things happening in my life when you're a teenager that end up setting you on this path to where, where you're meant to be. And, um, yeah, like before that, like I, I was always a good player, but, I, I, like, I, you know, I was an average player in, in the competition up there. So I didn't think I'd ever – make the NRL but yeah. you know from my under 16 team there was ended ended up being four of us went on to play NRL which for a oh, small wow. country towns yeah qu quite crazy so who was that uh Jacob Selms he played probably 20 yep. or 30 games for Cronulla Ryan Shortland played for the Warriors of Melbourne Storm yep. Scotty Duro he played oh, yeah. Um, yeah he, he played a, a fair few games he was a half wasn't he yeah for yeah. the Knights and uh he went over to the Catlines yeah there um, you go so yeah so it ended up 
um, in uh, my first year under 18s, I was coming off the bench where, where I spent a lot of my NRL career. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was like, oh, far out. Like, I'm not as good as I think I am. And then that next year, I just, I come out of the blocks. I, I trained really hard. I, I got after it all. Yeah. Um, summer. And I was playing like really, really good footy. And um, Cronulla Sharks asked me to come to a training camp. And I uh, went down and they, they wanted to sign me for that following season to come down and play Jersey Flag. And at, at the time, um, I think we'll, we're getting up to the North Coast level where you then go and try and try out for New South Wales CHS. And, yeah. You know, my goals have sort of changed now. I'm like, far out. I want to make Australian schoolboys. And uh, I played an under-18s game, got a 100-metre try. I think I scored three tries. And, and they asked me to sit on the bench for um, the, the first grade team, make my first grade debut for the Port Sharks. And there you uh, go. Anyway, I went out and uh, popped my shoulder. And, oh, and I had to get a shoulder reconstruction. And I'd said to Cronulla, I'll go, look, I don't want to um, sign the contract. I just want to see how I go as I go through and play, you know, New South Wales CHS and see if I can make the schoolboys. Yep. Anyway, thank God they ended up um, signing me and got me down here to do my, um, get my shoulder reconstructed and help yep. with my rehab and that. Otherwise, you know, I could have went a very, very different path. And, For sure. Um, you know, I could still be living in Port Macquarie, but th- thankfully they gave me that opportunity and, um, you know, they didn't have to. And, you know, I look back on that as yeah, a crazy t- point in my life where I could have gone either way. Definitely. It's, it's funny hearing that makes me realize why you probably get on so good with Jimmy Storer. Yeah. You know, yep. that those early injuries and those things that keep hindering the start. But that's, I think, the hardest thing is you, we often see guys, and we look at it now, we see it in like young footy players. When there's those like reoccurring injuries, you're like, fuck, I hope you can find a way through this because... You'd be gutted to see young talent not get a proper crack at at least having a few good years. Yeah. Because it is such a short thing. Like, I think that's the thing that sometimes as a fan, you don't appreciate about rugby league. And I've been really blessed that through this podcast, I've met a few league players and a few different athletes. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that nothing will ever stop me doing this as long as I can maintain general health and, you know, I've got a mic and an audio interface in front of me. Yeah. But if you're a rugby league player and your shoulder keeps popping out or you keep having trouble with that knee, mate, your life changes. Yeah. Like no, you got to sure. find new direction. And when you're passionate about something, that's really hard to accept. Yeah. Especially you, as a young kid as well. That, sure. that, that is That is your world. You don't, you don't have children. You don't have a family. You don't yeah. have educated. Well, depending if you're, you're a young switched on kid, if you're going to uni, but you know, that was my, my primary focus at that age. And um, anyway, I moved to Sydney um, play, uh, missed the start of the year because I didn't look after my shoulder with the um, rehab. And anyway, come back, end up having an awesome year. We, we lose uh, the game before the grand final. Back up in Port Macquarie and I, I get a call off the... Um, who, who did I get a call off? I think it was the, the late Steve Rogers to say that, um, yeah. yeah, I'd made the um, the junior kangaroo side, which... That's uh, yeah, it was crazy. Like There was like Todd Carney, Mullen, all, all them boys who were already playing at NRL. I think Leon Bott was like the star for the Broncos yeah. that year. And I just thought it was a massive G up. And I'm like, you're G-ing me up. Like, anyway, it was a Stephen Bradbury effort. Like, yeah. I think it was about five <laughs> front rollers pulled out. I, I yeah. come through and, um, you know, I got exposed to high-level rugby league um, and was lucky enough to go out and play Papua New Guinea and Darwin. That's it. Following year, playing reserve grade, got dropped back to Jersey flag, popped the other shoulder, got oh. to get another shoulder, Rico. And, um, you know, I, literally then I'm like, oh, I could be done here. Um, the Cronulla are like, I oh, will give you, I think it was like 5K, you can train part-time. <clears throat> mm. And I was like, oh, like I'll have to take it, but I don't get anything else. And just by chance, uh, the Parramatta recruitment guy, Rod Reddy, 
he'd come to watch the, the other guy from Port Macquarie, Jacob Snellman's play a reserve grade game a few weeks before I, I hurt my shoulder. And he went away more impressed with me. And, um, that's my... Yeah, I ended up getting a two-year offer off them. And that's where I uh, lived next door to the great Jimmy Storer. And uh, lived, lived with Jimmy Maloney for a couple of years out there and had a uh, great time. And that, that's where I ended up playing my first game in NRL footy. Did you love footy? Like, Because I, I think I can imagine I, I wasn't a good athlete in my late teen years. Like I was fit and was a good sprinter early on. But I was never an athlete that had an opportunity to go do something professionally. And I loved it and I was good at it, but I can imagine that for some lads, especially in the footy space, you'd probably be really good at it, but you may not love it. Yep. Like, what was the situation like for you? I always loved footy. Yeah. Yeah, I was a ma- like massive footy head coming through and, um, you know, I always worked on my body to, you know, make sure I was fit to play. So after that second shoulder, Rico, I, I think yeah. I only had one more surgery after that. Like I was, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I, I got all my injuries out early and... Um, yeah, I, I was saying to you about, uh, you know, the last four years of my career where um, you, you're really just grateful to be around the group. You know, you, your time's coming to an end, especially me. You know, I was never guaranteed to get an, another contract the next year. So, um, and, and that's where I really embrace, you know, getting around the boys and having a laugh sure. and trying to get the boys up after a, a poor game. And then when we're winning, make sure we're staying humble. What's that like? Because that's, you know, it's been, it's been so <laughs> eye-opening for me to meet athletes because from a fan standpoint, it's really easy to sit and be critical. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck, why didn't we win that game? Can't believe that result didn't go the way that I'd planned it. Like, as a fan, as I've planned it too, I'm devastated we didn't win that. But as an athlete, when you're living that, you know, that's you can't have that negative headspace all the time towards a result, right? Like, you've got to be able to, like, walk away from a poor result and go, yeah, we could have been better there. We've got to change a few things next week. But... The show goes on. A hundred percent. And obviously you, you get where the fans are coming, right? They, yeah. they, they, they love that team. Mm. So, you know, I played a few teams and a couple of very passionate fan bases. And, um, you know, you don't go out there with the mentality to go out and play poor and, and lose the game by 30 points. No. You know, just shit happens on the day where you aren't at your best. It might only be 1%, right? But the other team, they've prepared well. They've come out. They've executed They've got the job done, and you walk off the field. You're like, "Far out! What happened?" Like, and then you, you, you in your head already, you're going, "What did I do last week?" And yeah. obviously, the coaches are like looking at the training schedule last week and how we trained, how our energy was, and trying to decipher why we played the, the way we did on the Saturday. Mm. Um, so, and, and like you say, all right, you walk off the field. It's not going to help if you're hanging on to that that poor performance. So, generally, get in the day after, do a bit of video review, go over where you could be better got to flush it and then and then you go and work on yeah. what you need to for that following week's game and um, make sure you're, you're you know in the best state you can be to go out and get the two points the following week because i think there's this perception for fans sometimes and, and like i said i've been a passionate fan right so i understand it and like i've been to i've been to the uk and i've been to london to watch the arsenal tottenham derby i've never seen anything more passionate in my life like they live for it like the the result is life or death for these fans right they live for the game and there are people like that with rugby league and I was like that with the chooks I remember crying after a loss when I was a kid like that's kind of how I was I was a passionate fan and as you get older you realize that there's more to life than footy and I've realized that there's more to an athlete than someone who walks on the field and does their job they're a human being yeah right and one thing I was really frustrated about was after Origin, right? Origin Game 3 was one of the best games of footy I've seen in a long time. Yeah. 
Loved watching every minute of that. I thought both teams were incredibly passionate. Both teams put their bodies on the line. That was fast-paced, really hard footy for 80 minutes. And then the stories in the paper. Like if New South Wales won that, like just marginally different result, would have been the most passionate display and performance from a New South Wales team ever. But they lose by eight points or six points, whatever it was. And the story is like, oh, maybe they just didn't want it more. There's not as much pride in the jersey. And I'm like, are you joking? Mm. And I'm like, and then there's people going, I can't believe they're not devastated after. Well, of course they are. Mm. But what do you expect them to walk around with their heads down, hating themselves for the next three months? They're human beings. They've got families. They've got partners. They've got lives to live. Yeah. And there's another game of footy. A couple of days later, they've got to back up and play. Refocus, yeah. Yeah, like... Sure. You, I don't know what it is from the outside, and but the thing that hurts me is I'm seeing, and, and obviously I'm not going to call out names, I don't want to put you in that position either, but I'm seeing ex-footy players who are in the media yeah. shitting on these blokes. And yeah. I'm like, surely you've got more empathy and compassion. Yeah. You were there once. Yeah. And, and I think that's the interesting thing for me now, and, and I love that the game and athletics sport in general is getting to a point where there's more focus on mental health of athletes because fuck it would be hard yeah mate it is a roller coaster it's literally from round like, the only time you're pretty steady is um through pre-season mm. but your body's dead because you, you're getting flogged every day <laughs> but you mentally it's pretty steady you, you're yeah. not you know up down winning games losing games playing good playing shit yeah coach likes you coach doesn't like you and then obviously then you've got your personal life and you've got stuff going on there and you sort of sure. need to separate the two, you know, home, work. Good, um, and that's it. Yeah. It's work, right? Yeah, it is. Essentially. And yeah, but um, yeah, no, you're totally right. And, you know, the state of origin, it, it is the, the biggest spectacle in, in Australian sport. So there, there is a extra bit of uh, spotlight and media and, you know, the media are paid to write, you know, articles and negative yeah. articles sell better and... Um, you know, it was a phenomenal effort by that Queensland team who lost two of their players in the lead up to the game. Yeah. And then, you know, their best player from game one, Cam Munster, and then they lose two players in the first five minutes. We lose one and um, they just got the job done. But yeah, it wasn't through lack of trying by New South Wales. For and, sure. Yeah, like you say, there are people who do retire from, you know, their professional sport and go into the media, but they're, they're paid to have an opinion and um, to give their thoughts. But, yeah, that's there's never no... Like I said, you don't go out there to lose a football game. Bloody Shit happens in, in that game that leads to that end result. Um, but there's a guy in the AFL, Kane Corns. He, he's an ex-player, but he's always hammering the boys. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's not real popular. He's an ex-Port Adelaide yeah, player. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I always look at his stuff going, mate, you walked in them shoes, man. Like, you, it's hard you, you to gotta ease up how. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I love? Like, before, for everyone watching, listening, before we turned on the, the audio today, we were just having a chat about different pods and sort of how our stories have connected. And I love that we were having a chat about, we, it seems like we listen to a lot of similar things. And you seem like you're quite a mindful guy. And we're talking about meditation and like Jay Shetty listening to his show and that stuff. For you, were were these sort of thoughts and processes and things around mindfulness and bettering yourself, was that a part of your life when you were playing footy? Or has it been more discovery post-footy as you're sort of figuring out who you are in the world again? Yep. So you spoke about Hugh from the Resilience Project. So I first come across gratitude because of him. Um, Gratitude, sorry, gratitude, meditation, empathy. I think the other three things that he spoke about. So I started doing, I still do it every day in my phone, gratitude, three things I'm grateful for. 
and meditation. So I think I saw him a few years before I retired. So was that a, where was that at? Maybe at Penrith? Uh, he came to a couple of clubs. He, he was a part of the NRL um, where, where they'd like wellbeing, where he'd send him out to yeah speak to yeah. all the clubs because it's a fantastic story and um, oh, unbelievable. You know, we've, we've spoken about how you can fall into such a negative mindset and feel sorry for yourself. Whereas you know he, he speaks about his experiences and the one in India like this and yeah. um, you know being positive and grateful and um, yeah it's. It's such a great story that that story but yeah so i did start trying to use meditation late in my career but you know you spoke about being alone with your thoughts and um yeah my concentration levels weren't the best but um it was something i did um try and do later in my career but it's only really i feel like in the last year where i've really got good at it yeah um yeah just trying to use that as a tool to get me in the uh, best mental state i can be what's that journey like post career because it's been how many years now? Uh, I'll be three, three years, yeah. In, in, yeah. Yeah, a few weeks. So it's still pretty fresh. Yeah. And with that comes like when you walk away from having something that you do every day, like like we're saying like I'm good mates with Lowy, right? And I see Lowy a couple times a week or we'll speak on the phone most days and it's like footy structured. It's get to training at this time. You got this on, you're at the club for stack of hours that day you're training you're doing a few extras you're watching a bit of video you know you're hanging around with the boys and then you've only got so much free time you've got a little bit of free time but most of your week is structured right and then you walk out and you're like oh my god mm. seven days of the week and a whole life ahead of me and i've got to figure out what that looks like now yeah for you you've ended up in you know a, a stable job a nine to five and something that's completely different to being an athlete what did that look like? Like, how did you find mortgage broking? Were there a few options? And how did you figure out what direction you wanted to take? Yep. Um, look, it, it is a massive period of transformation. And, and, you know, my identity for 15 years was Jeremy, the rugby league player. Um, you know, you, you go to train every day with your mates. You take the piss, you have a mm. laugh, you get fit, you look good, you feel good. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was confronting. Um, and, and so like the last few years of my career. So I finished a business degree at the Wollongong Uni in yep. 2016 and um, started exploring what I was going to do post-rugby league. And I went into a Pepper Money, actually. They were sponsoring oh, yeah. Yeah, the Panthers at the time and I didn't really enjoy that corporate environment. Yep. Um, went back to play for Cronulla Sharks and one of my good mates, Tony Kane, he, he was mortgage broken down in the Shire. Um, so I started like, going in with him when, when I could around my footy schedule last three years of my career and... Um, I'm like, yeah, like I've always invested in property, enjoy like making money and, yeah. um, you know, you, you're helping people and, and I'm like, I, I think, I, you know, you're out in, in coffee shops with, with yeah. being a mortgage broker, you're meeting people. I, I thought that that really fits what I want to do post rugby league without knowing um, where it was going to take me. And also in my last year um, when I was playing at the Dragons, because I was still up in the air, like they hadn't offered me anything yet. Um, but I, I, Jason Nightingale was working in the corporate and they, they come to me and said that there's a job opportunity there. So I'm still employed at the Dragons a few days a week to do a few things there. Oh, nice. Yeah, there so that, that come up as well, um, which, you know, that, that, that was stability for me as well because with my mortgage broken, when I retired, I was self-employed. So if I wasn't mm. writing loans, I, I wasn't getting paid. And, you know, I retired end of 2019, a few months later, Tony tells me he's getting out of mortgage broken. Okay. <laughs> a month later, COVID hits, we're in lockdown. And, yeah. you know, I hadn't built up my network, you know, for people to write loans yet. So 
I ended up being um, the teacher at home for my young bloke. I, he was homeschooling. Yeah, and there you go. My wife had a crazy job, so she was downstairs doing that, and I was homeschooling upstairs. So that that period was, you know, it was up and down a lot. It was, um, yeah, really hard, and um, you know, all, all the stuff that I learned through rugby league, the resilience, and you know, trying to build that routine. So, so you spoke about Lowy, how everything's so structured yeah. and routine. When you're self-employed, like for the mortgage broker, I've got to do my own structure and routine. And so right. even now, three years after, I get a bit lost with that sometimes. Some I, days I I'm a 10 out of 10. Too. The next day I'm a 1 out of 10. I, I'm so, I can get so distracted and because I, it's on me, I've got the freedom to do what I yeah. want. Like I, not, so, no one's paying me to do my mortgage broker. So if I want to go do something else, I'll go do something else. But um, yeah, that, that, that's probably the, one of the biggest challenges is a routine and structure. But, you know, I, I, t- I touch on my training like every day. I wake up. Well, in the morning, I do a morning yep. routine before I go to the gym. Go to the gym with um, an, an ex-teammate, Luke Lewis, every day. We do Fuck, weights. He's a fit bastard he's too, isn't he? He's a machine, <laughs> mate. You should see the rig on him. Not quite like mine, but yeah. uh, no, nah, a bit better. And, um, you know, we have someone every day and that's the connection talking shit, For sure. having a laugh and you know he pushes me to train a bit harder he counts me reps sometimes and catches me to skipping a few but he's yeah. uh he, he's such a good dude to be around every day and then go home see the kids and the missus and get ready to go and uh build my routine for, for the sure. day and do my work and what sort of training do you do with, with, with him he's just loves weights yeah um I, I did the Wollongong sprint ride this year so oh, yeah. I did a bit of training with that uh, like swimming and the bike riding and yeah. running which I, I enjoy mixing it up yep um I did a bit of cardio today because Luke wasn't there. He was at a, a promo. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love doing all sorts of training and I'll, I'll, do, I'll do it forever. You know, I was talking to a fella in the sauna today. He's 55, phenomenal shape. And, yeah. you know, you just said you just can't stop training. And yeah. um, I, I just mean, look, I talk about it every day. Like, we'll, we'll train together forever because we, you know, enjoy – you feel good about yourself. You walk out of there mentally, you're feeling mad. Fuck, you feel Connection so at the gym. For it. Yeah, they're awesome people at the gym and, um, you know, that's relationships. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is something that, you know, I, I talk about some days when, when you go to get out of bed and that's something like, fuck, yeah, let's go get after it. You know, it's funny because for me, like, I went through I, – I wish, part of me wishes that what I understand now about health and fitness, I understood a couple of years ago when I was in real estate, because I think mentally it would have made it a far better time for me. But I'm kind of glad I didn't, because it's led to me leaving my job and finding something that I'm really passionate and purpose-driven for. But training, I don't know how, like last week being stuck inside with COVID, mate, I miss going for a trot with my mates so much, like... I just wanted to get out and run. I just wanted to go hit some weights. Like, but it's, I love with training. Your mates, she said you go have a coffee, it's connection. It's the best, You're feeling mate. good after training. Yeah. Like it's that. community. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that probably for you, like, is, is probably really healthy, having a mate to go train with. Yeah. Because you'd miss that after footy, right? Sure. Yeah. You used to be around 30 blokes and training yeah. together and having a good laugh. And yeah. when you're down one day, one of your mates picks you up. When yep. you're having a rough day in the weights room, someone else is firing, so you get G'd up too. We, we got this. We got the sauna. It's the cone of silence from there. Yeah. We get all our uh, our last problems out in there. Yeah. So, yeah, and like you say, it's being able to talk to someone and um, yeah, have that shoulder to to, sure. to, to, to to cry on. Well, the thing for me, like I hated running. Yeah, hated running with a passion. Like I was a sprinter growing up, so I'd never like anything over two hundred meters for me it was too far. Yeah. Like even probably even if 200 meter could have been 150, I would oh, have been yeah, more stuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hate, bro, I hated it, yeah. but I need to get back in shape. And a couple of mates invited me to a run club down at North Beach. It's yeah. called Active Boys Run Club. 
which was a couple of guys who just wanted to get off the piss on a Saturday night. So yeah. they started running at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And they were like, opened it at the community. And a few people invited me. And getting down there, the, the idea is get down, run 5K, have a nice long black, jump in the ocean. Yeah. Fucking perfect. Awesome. Yeah. And I love the idea of a coffee and a swim. Yeah. But I was like, fuck, I'll struggle through the run. The run. And I struggled <laughs> for a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Then I had a massive bleed in the lungs three days in a row. Ended up in hospital and I was like... From the like the running brought that on? Um, no, nah, just from being like infected in the lungs and just having scarring in my lungs. And yeah. I was like, oh, you know, I'm starting to enjoy this running. I hated the first month. Like the runs were punishing. But I'm starting to enjoy this and I want to do something to show that nothing's impossible for people with CF. I'm going to run a marathon. Yeah. So I started training, but honestly, the... The thing for me that was so crucial was having a community to do it with. And I actually had a young lad hit me up the other day. He said, you know, I want to get off the piss a little bit and I want to start getting healthy. What would your advice be for building discipline? And I'm like, mate, build a community around yourself. Because yeah. if you've got a community, like you're guaranteed to have shit days. But, but that, there's an ownership and that's, I know that with Luke. If, if I don't go to the gym... He's going to be into me, and if he dogs me, I'm filthy on him. So 100%. there's that ownership. Whereas if you're on your own, I'm going to go for a run in the morning. You wake up, yeah. fuck, look outside, it's raining. Put the yeah. cucumbers back on and go to sleep. <laughs> but when you got a training partner in that community, you're like, fuck yeah, let's go, let's go get after it. Well, it's, it's funny. I was talking to one of boys, one of the boys this morning. Um, we do long runs on Friday. Yeah. And he goes, he sent me a message saying, I was having a yarn last night, and I said, are you running long tomorrow? And he goes, bloody oath, I am. And he goes, how far are you going? I go, oh, I'll probably just do 10 because I ran yesterday, I ran this morning. I was like, I'll probably do 10. And he goes, I'm doing 12 to 15. And you know that if one of the boys is going a little bit longer, you're yeah. coming along too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the best thing because, you know, sure. in your head, you're like, you'll always take the easy option if you've got the choice. Yep. And it's not always about punishing yourself. Like Sometimes you've got to enjoy your training. You've got to be smart. But yeah. to have a few mates who are there to pull you through when you're not feeling it. And I do the same for them when they're not. Yeah. It's great. There's so much power in it. 100%. And that, that's the rugby league environment, right? Where you've got yeah. 30 you know, boys filled with tests who are, who are trying to get their best out of each other every Definitely. day. Definitely. Um, you know, it's probably only someone I think of, Kim McGuinness, mate. He, his mentality is like, and I don't know, I've always told you about him, but he, he's just a different individual. You know, when you get in season, your yeah. body's sore and you, you're not that keen to do weights, mate. He's still lifting the same June in, in the middle of June as he was in um, February before he's playing games. And he's playing 80 minutes and pumping out 60 tackles. But um, Everyone lifts when that's around, isn't it? Mate, for sure. And that's like, yeah, I, you look at him, you're like, fuck, don't be weak, that's you have a crack. <laughs> Come on. Well, that's, mate, that's the funny thing. I talk about it a lot. And me and my dad talk about it heaps. My dad's got a couple of, like a few close mates that he's had. My dad knows a lot of people. Like he was a copper for years yeah. and... Always been around Wollongong, so he knows a bunch of people. But he's got a couple of closer mates where I've got a really good group of close mates and I've got plenty of sort of acquaintances because I've grown up and spent a lot of my life here. But I've got really good mates. Like, and whether it's being able to go for a trot with a bunch of good mates or being able to sit down, have a coffee and have a really deep conversation, that's the one thing I'm really blessed I've never had any troubles with is yep. good people around me. Yeah. And it brings out the best in you. Yeah, And sure. you need it. Yeah. You need it. And I, I encourage people all the time, like, have friends that you can have good, honest conversations with. Yeah. You can you can have a laugh and a bit of banter with too, but it's not all bullshit. Yeah. Because... You, you see the um, Paddy, the USC dude, the other day. Yeah. There's some quotes getting around from him. Like, yeah. obviously, after his fight the other day, he came out and said he, one of his best mates had killed himself back in... It's devastating, eh? Yeah. And he's just like, mate, like, 
I'd fucking prefer him to tell me and have him cry on my shoulder yeah. than now have to go to his funeral. 100%. Um, that's what, you know, connection and community and, you know, having them close mates who, who you can lean yeah. on. Yeah. Mate, it's devastating. I feel like we're at a really lucky point now where the stigma's kind of broken. Yeah. It's, you know, there's still work to be done, but those conversations are more encouraging than ever. Yeah. And I love that we're getting to that place in that space now. And, and, and I'm really lucky. I've never had any rough issues with my mental health. And that's probably because I was blessed with the best bloody family in the yeah, world. Yeah. But I'm very aware that not everyone's blessed with that from the beginning. Yeah. So it's it's the people you build around you. And you can definitely, you know, they say blood's thick in the water. And, you know, I love my family to death. Even if I had a choice, I'd pick them every day of the yeah. week. And that's it. Yeah, you can choose like, your friends, but yeah, you can't choose your family. Exactly. So, yeah, you, you are very lucky in that aspect. Yeah. And it's, you know, pick those. And, and, if you know, if you don't have the immediate people around you at the moment, start bloody finding them. Yeah. Because they'll get you through anything. Yeah. You know, like it's great to have. It's For great sure. to have. Let's talk about your, you know, playing at a few different clubs and your experiences. Yep. Is there like little things that you learnt about yourself and about life from each of those experiences that like kind of makes you remember that for that period of your life and what it taught you? Yeah, for sure. Um, New Zealand Warriors, going across there, really out of um, my comfort zone mm. and, um, you know, Ivan Cleary was the coach at the time and uh, Michael Luck, he's now, I don't even know what he is at the Cowboys, he's high up, could be not yep. a CEO, but he, he, he was doing a Masters of Business and um, my wife was educated and had a double degree and, you know, the, the, the influence of Michael um, as well as my wife, that sort of led to me starting to look outside of rugby league and I, I started doing a uni degree over there. So yeah, nice. that, that was something which uh, that, that was big for me and um, I had no aspiration to go to uni before that. But uh, the NRL does pay to sort of subsidise your uni degree yeah. and, you know, 2016 I was lucky enough to finish that. Um, but learning off different players, like I played 2009 when Jared Hayne was untouchable. Yeah. Um, 10, 11, like with Michael Luck, Simon Mannering. Simon Mannering was the captain, but, you know, he, he's the quietest dude in the group. Uh, you just knocked just the chooks out that year, didn't you? 10 or 11? Oh, maybe 11, because that was when the boys went to the grand final. Yeah. So I, I didn't play in that. I played in the reserve grade grand final. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it just, he, he's such a – he was an 80-minute like player, mm. quiet, unassuming, but just led with his actions and uh, true professional. Sort of like that Cam McGuinness mold, just the way yeah. he looked after himself, but a fun dude off the field as well. Uh, and then, you know, then I went to the Dragons 2012, a couple of years after they won the comp and yep. um, they just, Wayne Bennett had just left. But, you know, you, you learn different things off different players and there's For a sure. lot of guys there that played New South Wales and Australia. Um, but yeah, mate, just the, the friendships that you build across time and, um, you know, you, you watch what other players are doing and, you know, you can be so influential on a young guy and trying to get them to come and do extras and, yeah, for um, sure. you know, make sure they're looking after their body and, you know, then enjoying yourself when you get to let the hair down. And yeah, that's definitely. something I always did Which love is about important. rugby league. It is, mate, it is. And that was something I um, did, did uh, yeah, probably take advantage of a bit much <laughs> at times. But, uh, you know, when it was time to train, I freaking ripped in and put sure. it all out. I feel like that's that's something I'm trying to be mindful of. Like, I don't drink because I've got liver disease. Yeah. So I can't. But... I wish I had that problem. <laughs> right. It saved me so much money. <laughs> yeah, like, I could when I think of the coin it saved me and the hangovers and the Panadol, mate, yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm so lucky. And because I've never had a drink, like yeah. I developed liver disease at nine. Jeez. So it's actually what stopped me playing footy. Mate, yeah, my, my dream as a child, it's actually funny. I put up a thing on my Instagram story yesterday. I was listening to Theo your capsule, and, Was that your capsule thing? I think I saw um, it. Yes, the yeah. time capsule yeah, thing. Yeah. And I'm like, 
I was listening to Theo Vaughn and Joe Rogan on a podcast and they were talking about time capsules. I don't know why. They just referred to a time capsule. I thought, fuck, I remember burying one of those when I was like six at school. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure we put like a class letter and all little personal like goals in it. And I reckon if you'd, bur- if you'd dug it up, like mine would have been to be Batman or the fucking next Brad Fittler. Really? Yeah. It would have yeah. been one of the two or probably both. And like, I loved footy, lived for it as a kid. Like it was my existence and, and I was good at it as a young fella because yeah. I was athletic and fast and, but then at nine, when I developed liver disease, my liver was hanging below my rib cage and so was my spleen. Yeah. So they said, well, you're at risk of getting hit and it rupturing. Yeah. And like, if it ruptures and you don't stop the internal bleeding, you die. Yeah. And so I remember I was like untouchable in my mindset as a kid. So... CF didn't bother me. It was just like, it was a badge of honor because I could do everything I wasn't supposed to do yeah. in spite of it. Great mentality. Great have. mentality, yeah. which is my parents. Like They yeah. bred that into me and it's, it's why I am the way I am today. And I remember at nine sitting in the doctor's room would do annual review tests every year and he goes, mate, you've got liver disease and it's going to change a few things. And I said, oh, what's it change? And he goes, well, you've got to take a couple extra tablets a day. And I'm like, mate, take 30 a day already. I'm yeah. sweet. Like, yeah. Yeah. put an extra two in there. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, but I don't think you should be playing rugby league. And, mate, my heart sunk. Yeah. And I was like, that's the thing I love. Like, that's what I love. It's what I've seen as my future. You know, I was only young at the time. So, you, you know, you don't realize that there's so much more to life outside 100%. of the thing you're passionate about. But I remember saying to my mum and my dad, no, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving it up. And I remember there was this really powerful moment. I always think of it when my dad said to me, well, mate, it's your choice. And he sort of put it in my hands. Yeah. And then I remember thinking, yeah, I've got to give this up, don't I? Yeah. And then you find Whereas if he's telling you, you can't do it, you can't yeah. do it. You you're want like, to rebel. I'm going to play. Like, yeah, I'm no, playing. That, that's yeah. human psychology, Bugger. right? What exactly. you get told you can't do. And he was probably smart it. enough to know yeah. that, right? Yeah, for sure. So, and I, I'd stopped playing. I ended up in hot, like in high school, they gave it as an elective for sport. And I watched all my mates sign up and I thought, fuck, there's no way I'm watching these bastards play without me. Yeah. So dad goes, well, mate, if you play, I'm coaching the side. Because I want to be able to make sure I'm there in case if anything happens. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. So we went to Clark Rubber and we bought like, you know, like that foamy mat stuff. Yeah, like yeah, it looks yeah. like a gym mat. And I sort of rubbed that, um, wrapped that around my guts and we duct tape it to me. Yeah. So if I got hit, it kind of absorb, absorb a little hey, bit sure, of the blow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, I got fucking flogged a few times because I was a little with it. Yeah. And fuck, did the job? Did the job. Yeah. Did the job. I'm still here to tell the story. So, I mean, I think I needed. I, I used to wear sternum guards. There. Yeah. I got a couple of ribbage. Oh, I should have went to Clark Rubber. Yeah, Clark Rubber saves you a fortune. And <laughs> we, um, and, and you know, I, pl- I played footy, but I realised there's so much more to life. And yep. for me, there were so many other things I was passionate about. And like just having that, having my old man say, "Hey, it's your choice," yep. made the world of difference. Mm. Yeah, made no. the world of difference. So you get told, don't drink alcohol as a kid. Fuck, yeah, I'm so, drink alcohol. Yeah. Don't go to that party. I'm going to exactly. that party. And that made all the difference for me. So like, you know, I look at everything now through a positive lens and yep. perspective and, and I'm really lucky for that. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Super grateful for it. So yeah, like I, I've never had to get worried about getting carried away on a good time, but I think yep. it's really important for people to have balance. And, you know, what I originally was getting to before I went on my tangent there was... I look at a few things I do now and I've actually had to pull myself up on it pretty recently. I can be I can be a little bit guilty of setting such big goals all the time that I'm always working towards something. 
and not really enjoying what's in front of me. Yeah. And I'm in a place now where I'd like to think if I'm running 40Ks a week and looking after the body and there's no injuries, I can run a mara. Yeah. So I'm doing Melbourne Marathon in October awesome. and I'm going to do probably another one in December and one in April next year. But I kind of just want to enjoy the process of running with mates, yeah. having a good time, ripping into my career and having a crack. But appreciate and being able to live and enjoy the moments and go on a holiday and not have to think about, I've got to be training 24 7 to keep myself in in good shape yeah yeah and that's and the that, balance it's, it's, a, it's always about the journey yeah it is yeah well you know and because guys like david goggins have become extremely popular yeah. i fucking love goggins yeah, the yeah. guy's a freak great mentality i try and great, watch him. Yeah. Like watching on youtube <laughs> yeah great mentality but then i look at goggins sometimes and i think fuck well that's what that guy does for a living yeah he's he's a badass for a living so the, the regular human being can't push himself to the point where they can't speak the next yeah, well, day. He's, he's got a, to- a tolerance like no other. Yeah. Than, like, and he, he's built that up through his journey to get to the yeah. point where he is. And, you know, people will be watching that going, man, I can't do that. But yeah. it starts with taking one step and starts you know, then you take two the following day and yeah. then you don't know where that journey um, eventually ends. And for him, that's his enjoyment. So <laughs> I think you've got to find like, you've got to yeah. find a balance between enjoying what you do. Yeah. But then also having the discipline to get after it when you don't want to. Yeah. Talk to me about change the topic a little bit here. You've obviously had different experiences at different clubs. Did you get to travel a bit during your career? Yep. Uh, always off season. So yeah. you know that that was one of the awesome things of the the, the rugby league world. You yeah. get 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 eight weeks off through um, well hopefully October November, but sometimes September October yeah. depending on how the team went. And um, you know I was lucky enough to make the uh what team was it the prime minister's team and i yep. went and played in papua new guinea which was a, oh, a unreal experience you know it's the only place in the world where rugby league's the number one sport mm. um and that that was a, a absolute madness and um something that you know i'm so grateful to experience so i was never a superstar but that that was a, a reward at that point in time for the footy i was playing at the time yeah um but yeah obviously jet jet, jet set it around the world um in, in the off season i went to vegas and couple of times yeah, nice. in new york on my honeymoon and mexico um all, all the islands you know bali fiji yeah. uh, been to, went to england and france with the uh world club oh, team yeah. at cronulla sharks which was a cool experience for sure yeah um i'm heading to amsterdam and um Oktoberfest this year actually oh, nice. Jimmy maloney and a couple of the other best because that's so because Oktoberfest is actually in september isn't correct, it? correct end of september yeah 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 so that'll be good fun it will be fun yeah 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 and that's yeah do, do you know jimmy Grehan? he's from the gong uh, he's, he's probably What's he younger name? than me. Uh, James Greyhound, Jimmy. He used to. He's a carpet yeah. layer. Yeah, fuck the name rings a bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played a heap of footy around here, but he's one of yeah. the best mates. So yeah, we're, we're going over there together, and it, that's uh, mad. It'd be fun. Did you ever play any club footy around here, like post? Yep, Dragons I'm still or? playing. I, um, what are you playing for? So my first year when I was retiring, the plan was to play for West Illawarra, uh, yeah. where Jimmy was playing at the time. Yeah. Um, so you know, you know Mark Carberry and all that. Uh, he's I, on the I know, board I know there. Carberry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Carbs. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's my godfather. Got, yeah, Carbs, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I've got him saved under Carbs. Yeah, he's my uh, godfather. Oh, Fettingham? Yeah. Okay. My dad's best mate, so. Really? I've been for years, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so COVID hit and uh, yeah. knocked that on the head, but then I come back and played it. They, they went and they played in a Sydney-wide comp, yeah. so I just played a couple of games with Jimmy down here. Then yep. last year I played half a year at Mittagong before the yep. um, COVID knock, knocked it out, and then... I've played two games in the last month for Mittagong, so because yeah, Jimmy's nice. captain coaching them now. Okay. Yeah, so I'll play. Mate, he so loves it. He's a mental he guy. Does, he does love it, mate. He's, he's a year younger than me now, so he, he, he will, I think this is his last year, he reckons, yeah. playing, but he, I think he's coaching next year. 
Yeah. But, How- uh, yeah, you know, they, they just they love their footy down there, the meter boys. and Bro, uh, and great experience for those young fellas to come through and have guys like you who have, who have been where a lot of them maybe want to be or at some point wish they could have been, yeah. you know, playing footy. And to be able to learn off you and, and hear your stories, I reckon that would light them up. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. And Bryson Goodwin, he's, he's an excellent yeah. boy. He's down there as well. So, yep. yeah, mate, it's a bit of fun, but I am getting older now and... Um, I don't know how many more years I could do it for, but I, I enjoy, you know, being around the group and yeah. uh, I still do love the the contact and, you know, that camaraderie that rugby league brings. How is it like, you know, you, you've had a missus for, for ages now, you're married yeah. and how long, how old are the kids? Uh, my boy is nine and my daughter's six. Sorry, he turns nine in October. My daughter's six. Yeah. So they got the opportunity to watch you play yeah, some my of your boy, footy. Yeah, and he, he remembers Your it. daughter would have been really young when you were playing, but yeah. how is that like when you're sort of moving around and shifting your life when you've got a family. Is that hard? Yep. Uh, yeah, look, that's it was a bit of a roller coaster at times. And, um, you know, I went from Dragons 2012 Penrith for four years. So I was in the Shire for three years and we ended up moving to Concord because my yep. wife uh, was working at Macquarie Park at the time, which it made sense to move closer to there in Penrith. And then, yep. yeah, come back to the Shire again. And I think we moved three times yeah. since 2017 again. So uh, it, it is hard though, especially with the kids and... You know, I remember at one point in time, me, me son was nailing the, uh, the the toilet training and then he had to share a room with my daughter for a bit because we moved back into yeah. the unit we owned in Cronulla to sell. And uh, she used to scream and cry in the middle of the night and she he, she just ruined all that for him. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, it's at the same time, like moving clubs, we've got so many great memories at all the places we've lived in. And, yeah. um, you know, when we're in the unit in Cronulla, we're, we're a couple hundred metres from the beach. So that, that was obviously the, the plus side of that. How does kids change your mindset? You know, I'm, I'm without kids. I'm without a partner. Yep. Mate, if I could hold a relationship down for three months, I'd be proud of myself. Yep, yep. And it's not for lack of trying either. <laughs> um, like, I, I look at that and I think, I, I don't think I'd be ready to have kids until I'd be ready to give the commitment that my parents gave to me. Yep. Like, my parents are my heroes. Yep. Two most admirable people I could ever look to. The two people that I'd go to with anything. If I ever had troubles or problems or things I needed figured out in life, the two people I respect, them and my younger sister, Shania, are my world. Like, I do anything for them. I look up to them so much. And because of them, I'm the human being that I am. And I, and I look at that role of being a parent, and I think it's it's the biggest purpose that anyone can ever have in the world is to to bring kids into the world, to teach them about life and to give them the confidence and the loving environment to succeed and, and flourish and be the best version of themselves. And so whenever I speak to parents, I'm really interested by not only um, the responsibility of that role, but what it's done for them. Yep, no, for sure, mate. And look, so my son was born at the end of 2013. So before 2013, I'd played probably 50 games across five years. Yeah. From that point in time, like when my son come, I think I didn't miss a game for, I think I missed two games in my next 100. Yeah. Um, and, and I played really good, consistent footy. And, you know, I'd look at photos of him before the game and had yeah. all these quotes. Yeah, you know, rugby league players have all these funny processes they go through yeah. to prepare for a game. And at that point in time, that was, it was my boy and, um, you know, trying to do the best I could to support the family. And, um, you know, it makes you emotional when you think about it. Like, oh, that, it, really sure. does, it really does change your life. And, you know, especially as footballers, you can be a bit selfish sometimes and, you know, you're so single-minded. Um, but you know, having a, a you know a little one come into the world re- yeah. really did um, change my purpose in life. And you know, even now, like I still every year read "Raising Young Boys, Raising Young Girls," yeah. just to you know freshen the mind. Because who you, wrote you, that? Uh, oh God, you've got me. 
Because I've heard people talk about yeah, this. Yeah, I, I, I can't even tell you. He wrote, he wrote both of them though, because then there's another one of like making of young men, and yeah, there's all these yeah. different books that I, I, just, I just love reading because, you know, I feel like, yeah, you, you can forget some of the stuff, For and sure. you know, the kid kids get older every year so they're going through different things themselves yeah Yeah. Uh, you know and then my young bloke's nine now so he's going to start getting testosterone and that soon and yeah um yeah it's just yeah it's something that every day like i'm working on to be a better parent because yeah i love um, to hear that yeah it's yeah they are my purpose in life mate you know it's funny like there's a quote that i love and and i don't know this from a parent standpoint i reckon you could speak to this but in, in many ways it's why i'm very grateful for my cf and this is why this is how I'll frame it. So there's a quote. I'm sure you've heard it, and it's it goes, hard times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Yeah, that's why. And then it's this guy saying it on stage, and he said that's why we must raise warriors. Yeah, and. And I love that quote, and I think I've been very lucky where I look at my old man and my grandparents. My grandparents live below where we are no, right now. Yeah, yeah. My, my pop and my nan on my dad's side, and my mum's lost both her parents now, and um, she lost her dad at 16 or 17. Oh, wow. Um, my nan a couple of years ago, but I look at my, my pop and sort of the father figure he was for my dad. Amazing father. Yeah. Really loving human being. Me, my pop, and my nan get on amazing. See him, spend time with them every week. Talk to them every day on the phone. They're great, and they grew up in a very different time. Yeah. A time where times were tough. Yeah, you worked for every penny you had. You saved every penny you didn't need to spend. And yeah, you know, my pop was a copper in Berkeley at the time, and so my my dad and my uncle, you know, grew up hard because at the time there were a lot of people who either loved or hated coppers yep. in Berkeley. So yep. being the copper's son, you know, they, they copped the brunt of it, right? And it made them really tough, hard blokes. Yep. Loving, but very hard blokes. And I look at my dad and, you know, as a parent, and same for my mum, they were thrust into planned, they were so planned to have a child, like owned and built the, the family home. Dad had a couple of jobs. Mum had a couple of jobs. They're ready to give everything to their first child. Then I come along with CF. What the fuck, CF? How yeah. do we deal with that? You know, then they're learning on the go. They've done an amazing job. They, you know, if someone could write a textbook on how to parent a child with CF, it'd be them. Yeah, right. Wow. They've done so well. And I look at that and I go, mate, they made things so easy for me that had I have not been born with CF, I think times could have been. Like I could have been maybe a little bit weak and privileged. Yep. I'm so glad that I've had a, a challenge or been primed for challenge in my life because they done such a good job. It would have been easy for me just to think the world was rosy. Yep. And But that's the challenge of, of being a great parent is not only like making things easier than they were for you when you grew up. Like that's the goal for every parent to give their child a great life. But also remembering that like fuck, sometimes adversity is going to hit them and challenges will hit them and they've got to be primed for that too. For sure. And that's, I feel like we're in a very unique period now with social media mm. and, and accessibility to the internet and what kids are exposed to. Um, it's such a, a, a tricky landscape and something I'm nervous about because, yeah, I, I don't plan on our children getting 
phones or something yeah. until they're in prime, uh, high school. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's something that actually scares me and worries me. Uh, For sure. You know, I, was, I, I don't think I had anything. I, I think I got MySpace when I was 19. Like I didn't have any of the social medias. Yeah. Got a mobile mobile phone when I was 18 or 17. But um, you know that landscape and trying to manage kids through that and online bullying and you know there's, yeah. there's some big bad people out there. That, that's something which um, yeah, that, that's a real challenge as a parent. But yeah, like, like you say, adversity. For kids isn't a bad thing you know they need to get used to losing in life because i feel like yeah. sometimes kids are a bit protected from it and you know i, I normally gets a bit frustrated sometimes but I, I hate the um the participation awards Mate, for kids fuck. you need to learn to win um yeah. and, and lose like it's not hey everyone ha- had a good day here's a trophy no fuck no you gotta earn that shit and that i'm not and i'm not goggins or anything but i just i think things that i know in my childhood which mm. shaped me you know, persisting with being a rugby league player and got me through, you know, 180 odd NRL games. If I was given participation awards, I don't know if I would have been able to do it. But I just had shit happen to me, which lit the fire under my ass and made myself push myself. And, you know, you talk about the Christmas Day training, doing stuff like that. That's what I would do. Yeah. Because of stuff that happened, um, which led to me following that path. Well, that, and see, that's the thing, right? If it's, if it's too easy as a kid yeah. and you think that everything's a win, fuck, you're going to get a shock when you get older. Yeah. Because life's not easy. It's actually not. And I was literally saying this a couple of days ago. When you're at school, you're like, oh, fuck, I can't wait to be an adult. <laughs> but, mate, I'm literally in me young bloke had a bad day. I go, mate, you love every minute of school because life yeah. does get harder and harder. Like, and it's awesome. And, you know, you have so many yeah. awesome experiences. But you got to work. you got to pay bills. You, you know, you're constantly... Um, well, life's simple, but it's hard. Yeah. Like, the, the ingredients to a good life are simple. And, I, and I'm learning that as I look yep. back now. I've been doing that. We are talking about Ben Crow before. Yeah. Um, the mindset coach and I've been doing his mindset course his team gifted me a subscription to his online training which is really kind of him been in contact with him for a bit and one of the first parts of it so it's three chapters it's who am I what do I want and how do I get there and part of who am I is the first exercise you do is you go back and you recall the earliest memory you can think of and explain all the feelings that you felt in that moment and I can I've got a really good memory so I can like properly picture exactly what I was wearing, what was happening on a day when I was three. Fair income. Yeah. Far out. I'm like shocking. Wearing a stripy shirt, yeah. denim overalls, a navy blue corduroy cap, mowing the lawn with my dad. I was three years old, yeah. out in the backyard. I was pushing a fake lawnmower. He was pushing a real one. Yeah. I remember coming inside and sitting down. My mum had made me a salmon and beetroot sandwich, which was my favourite. Yeah. And mum giving me a kiss. And I remember just feeling loved. Yeah. valued appreciated supported and like i had a reason to be here yeah and it's funny when it asks you to explain those feelings and recall that moment i thought far out i was three and i talk about being loved appreciated yeah. like i had value it's all the things that you want in life right now right yeah so life is simple but it's it's become difficult and complicated because of the world that we live in right now yeah and that's the challenge is figuring out, well, how in this world do I navigate those simple things? And, simp- and sim- simplify shit. Yeah. Because, yeah. I don't know, and yeah, human psychology was spoken about, it's so easy to look back and look at shit that's been negative, but you just got to yeah. flush that, live for the now, and that's something I'm working on every day because I can often fall back into that trap of yeah. looking at shit that happened, which, you know, that's not going to help my future. I need to control the controllables, and that was a big thing I-, I learned in rugby league. Accountability, control the controllables. Don't look back, worry about what you can do now. 
Um, I love and that. I think, yeah, human nature, you can often get caught. <laughs> Shit, if I didn't do that then, I wouldn't be here yeah. now. Like, and every day I, I fucking, yeah, it happens. Like, and I'm like, nah, flush it. Bloody Yeah, earth. gotta remove yourself from it. So there's five questions I ask at the end of every podcast now. It's sort of like a consistent theme. And the five questions, the way I release this podcast is I release the full episode where this will be like a beautiful conclusion to the chat we've had and give people a really good idea of who you are and some closing wisdom, we'll call it. Yeah. Or they may be experiencing this as a trailer. So I put out a shorter episode as well. So people can come listen to just like five questions and five answers, which give them a really good idea of who you are and what the chat might have been like. Yeah. And then if they love it, they dive into the full app. Awesome. So we'll, get, we'll jump into the five questions. It's the same for every guest. The first question is, if you could only recommend one book or one podcast to someone listening, what would it be? The book I would recommend, I've just read that. I was telling that Ant Middleton's Zero Negativity and it just speaks to me at the moment, trying mm. to not have, you know, have that negative mindset with shit. So yeah. definitely that. And I'm on the Jay Shetty train for a podcast at the moment. Yeah. He's just, yeah, covers all topics. and So good. Um, yeah, really speaking to me at the moment as well. You know what I like about Jay is... One of my favorite quotes of all time is by him where he's on, he was on another podcast as a guest and they asked him, what's one thing that you don't value that others do? And he said, being understood. And I'm like, fuck, I reckon that's something to work towards in life. The power of not feeling like you need everyone to understand who you are or why you do things. Like that guy is so wise. And so wise. And he'd follow him on Instagram. I've only recently yeah. started following him, but mate, every day I'm screenshotting whatever he puts up and go back in the archives quality, and you know, eh? pick you up on a, on a down day. The cool thing about him is he's, he's spiritual, yeah. but he's also very practical. He's spiritual. Like, you know, he's got that monk background. There's other guys who are like him, but it's not practical for the everyday human being who goes to a nine to five job and yeah. you know has to pick up the kids from school or pay the bills. Like he's got practical wisdom that makes life easier and simpler for people who are who are doing everyday tasks. Simple, simple, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah human psychology, overcomplicate shit, keep it simple. Definitely. Which I have to remind myself daily as well. <laughs> I'm not over, all over this yet. Right, I'm the same, I'm the yeah. same. It's always a work in progress. Yeah. The second is, what's one skill you'd recommend mastering that significantly improved your life? Yeah, being able to talk to people. Just, you know, being able to get around a, a room and, you know, talk to a bloke who, who's the CEO of a company to being able to talk to a bloke who, who's a garbage truck man. Just, yeah. you know, be, and that's, I feel, maybe I'm lucky in the aspect I've always had rugby league to talk about and people want to talk about footy and if they know you're a footy player. But um, I feel like it's just a skill that I, I've always had where I can, you know, relate to people and um, have something to talk about. But yeah, if you can talk to anyone in the room, you, you're going to be successful. Yeah, I love that. The third, this is an interesting little shift of um, pace here, is the one challenge you face that has required the most resilience yep. to overcome. Yeah, um, probably the one that's retired from rugby league that mm. uh you know I, I spoke about you know you lose an identity and you've got to build a new identity um probably that you know you go from um being around 30 lads training doing whatever doing the job that you've dreamt about since you were you know a young bloke to now i'm in the business world i'm mortgage broken i, I work for the dragons i do stuff the nrl uh obviously still align with you know some of align with rugby league but yeah. um yeah just having to build that new identity and through how i do that is through structure training every day 
stuff with the family, um, just building things around it. So I'm looking after the, uh, the head noise and the mental health upstairs. Like we said, that Jocko Willink um, yep. link, discipline equals freedom. For I sure. love that. Yep. So, so true. Yep. The fourth is, what's a daily habit or ritual? It could be a morning routine or an evening routine that yep. sets you up for a day of success. Yep. Um, probably training. I train every yeah. single day. But like, like I mentioned, I, I meditate. I try and meditate every day. I, I train every day um, and I do gratitude every night. Um, is just, every day a, a morning sorry, session? Sorry, I take that back. Meditate, meditate might be only five days a week. Yeah. But yeah, tra- I'll train six, seven days a week. And yeah, man. Yeah, gratitude, Nelly, pretty well seven nights a week. It's only if I forget. I love it. Yeah. I've, I've actually found probably similar to what you're saying there. I used to do like a bit of journaling in the morning. So I'd, yeah. I had a really solid morning routine. I'd get up, I'd get up quarter to five, 4.30 yeah. most days, probably six out of seven days. And I'll get up, listen to a podcast or audio book, have a stretch, have a roll, get the old body moving, 26 yeah. and it feels fucking 56 at times. Come see me in 10 yeah. years, brother. <laughs> and with your knocks to an injury, it's funny. And then I'll go for a run or go to the gym or a walk or whatever, jump in the ocean, grab a coffee, then I'd come back and like journal. But I found usually like, I found like the best time to journal reflect was actually in the night for me. Yeah. Cause I'm naturally a pretty positive guy yeah. and I found like in the morning I was already positive anyways. Well, you're waking up fresh, right? Waking Whereas up fresh. Nighttime you've had your day's experiences. Oh, you some know, things have gone wrong. Here, yeah. yeah. Mate, that poor person was awesome. Far yeah. out I did this. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. And cause mate, funny you say that's something I'm trying to get into my daily routine as well because yes. you know, I'm up and down with a few things in my life and um, yeah, I find when I am doing that, like and you blah on the paper. <laughs> You feel better. Feel better, bro. Yeah, yeah. You can just get it out of your head. Yeah. You can go to bed and then you can you can bloody assess it tomorrow if you need to. Correct. And tomorrow's always a new day as well. Exactly. And yeah. then you look at it with new perspective and you have a laugh. Usually you're like, fuck, what was I stressing about that Mate, for yesterday? For sure. For sure. Yeah. The fifth and final question, the most important question for me, and I think you know, a really good opportunity for anyone who comes on the podcast is, you know, what message would you share with the world if you can encourage them to act on it? If there's one message you'd want to give to the people listening or watching, what would that message be? Mate, especially, you know, the Paddy, the USC guy the other day, check on your friends, check on your family. Um, You know, you don't know what any individual's going through and, um, you know, just through simply asking how someone's doing, it might change their whole day. Um, You you don't, yeah, you don't want to lose a loved one and... Um, that, that simple conversation um, and putting your arm around a mate can change, you know, that person's life. For sure. And, you know, you said it there, the simple conversation. Conversation is so powerful. Like it, it connects people. It allows people to overcome problems. You know, I hope, I always hope that when someone's sitting here listening to or watching this, that the guests that I have on, they'll be inspired by their story and find something in themselves to, to realise that, Fuck, everyone's got the opportunity to live a great, happy life. Yeah. You just got to find what that means and what that looks like for yourself. And, mate, it's been a pleasure to sit here with you. You you know, and I say this all the time on the podcast because I'm very selective with who I have on. But you're you're a very good human, mate. You can tell that. And everyone I've spoken to thus far who's had an experience with you says really big things about you, not just for how funny you were or for the fact that you're a great footy player, but for the fact that you're a really good human. And... That's what I love. I love when you can sit down with someone who is known for a certain thing. And for you, it's, it's rugby league at this point in your life anyways. And they go, yeah, 
footy. He's a good footy player, but fuck, he's a good man. So, mate, congratulate you on all your success thus far and looking forward to staying in touch. Mate, thanks, Brad. I really appreciate you uh, having me on, mate. As I said, I've come across your stuff and uh, as an outsider and now you're a mate. You're, um, you know, you're changing people's lives and you're having a crack. And to follow your dream and go away from something where you weren't earning good money, that, that was a thing which I mentioned to you, like really spoke yeah. to me, following that purpose and passion. And, you know, for, for all, all the people who, who listen or watch, I think that's um, like a key message, you know, to do what you're doing, mate. You're doing awesome. And thanks for the kind words as well. And mate, that, that's I appreciate something it. I, yeah, I am always humbled by. Mate, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Thank mate. you so much. Cheers.